Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCETown.com. You know, Gene and I are not professional hikers, but we do like to hike and walk. And so far this spring, we've had the opportunity to walk or hike over 60 miles on trails from the Daniel Boone National Forest to the Great Smoky Mountains in Tennessee, to the beaches at Daytona, Florida. And on those walks, we have seen some of God's incredible creation. And those walks have taken us to some breathtaking places, but along with some treacherous steps. I understand that there is a beautiful place in the Smoky Mountains called Mount Leconte. And uh, I also understand that there is a lodge that is there at Mount Leconte that is the highest lodge, uh, highest elevation lodge in the eastern United States. And I've been told that it's the most beautiful place to look over the Smoky Mountains. Well, Gene and I were there in the Smoky Mountains just recently, and we found a trail that said it would take us to Mount Leconte. And so we started off on this 6.6 mile trail to this beautiful place to overlook the Smoky Mountains. And about five miles in, the trail began to narrow. And then it narrowed to the place where we were literally sliding around the rocks at the top of the mountain. And as we were going around those rocks at the very tip top of the mountain, The trail looked to me like it shrunk to about six inches wide, and there was no guardrails on the outside. And so as I slivered around the rocks, I finally came to a point where I yelled at Gina, and I said, I'm out. I stop. I'm going back. And she couldn't convince me to go any further. And so we never made it to see perhaps the most beautiful place in the Smoky Mountains, Mount Leconte. But if you have ever been there, would you please tell me if there is another way that we can get there? Today, we're going to start a new series titled Asking for a Friend. Now, over the next several weeks, we are going to be trying to answer some, some of the most common questions, perhaps, that people ask about faith and Christianity. Questions like, why does God allow pain and suffering? Or don't all religions think the same? Or is Christianity irrational? Or does life have purpose? Today we're going to begin this series by trying to lay a foundation to how we will approach answering these questions. So today we're going to begin by answering this question. Is the Bible reliable? Is the Bible reliable? And first of all, and most importantly to me, I want to say that I have been on this faith journey for over 50 years. And the Bible has played a huge part in guiding and keeping and moving me forward on the path 
to growing closer to Jesus. But today, I want to try to help answer the question that many people ask, is the Bible reliable? There is no way we could ever cover all the books, studies, and individuals who have focused on proving that the Bible is reliable in this time. Matter of fact, I don't believe we could do that in, in a year. And so what I simply want to share today is I want to share with you three things I believe about the Bible. And then I want to share three th reasons why I believe we can say that the Bible is reliable. So first, I believe that the Bible is God-inspired. Second Timothy says in chapter 3, Paul writes these words. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it is useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. There are so many reasons to believe the Bible has been inspired by God, but perhaps the one that is most convincing to me is simply the unity of the Bible. When we consider it was written by at least 40 authors over a span of 1,500 years in three different languages and on three different continents, and it consists of 66 books. Its authors go from kings to shepherds, and from scholars to fishermen. Yet, it offers a consistent theme regarding key teachings and God's work in this world throughout history. Consider this. In 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were discovered, which are ancient manuscripts dating between the third century B.C. and the first century. And the amazing thing that was discovered when we discovered these Dead Sea Scrolls from 1947 and the few years following is that those manuscripts match up incredibly in line with what we already had in the Old Testament. I believe the Bible is God-inspired. And secondly, I believe it is true. A broad range of words and phrases have been used in different eras and through different generations to describe the, the truthfulness of Scripture. One of the most important of these is the term infallible. The word infallible comes from the Latin word that meant unable to deceive or unable or not liable to err. When we say that the Bible is infallible, what we mean is that Scripture tells the truth and never deceives us. Another more recent term to describe truthfulness of Scripture is inerrant. And inerrant is a word that simply means not in error. It is estimated that the Bible has been translated into over 700 different languages. Believing that the Bible is true does not require Scripture to be scientifically exact. Or does it rule out figurative language or numeric es estimates or perhaps a misplaced comma? But I believe the Bible is true because it tells the truth and it never 
deceives us. For example, in 1 Kings chapter 7, there is a circular pool in the temple that is described by the author as uh, 10 cubits from rim to rim and 30 cubits around. And actually, if you take a circular pool that is 10 cubits in diameter, it's actually going to be a little more than 30 cubits uh, around. Yet the biblical author didn't make an error because mathematical precision wasn't his purpose. The purpose of the text was simply described an object that Solomon's workers had made. And the author used rounded numbers in his description. And so I believe that the Bible is God-inspired, and I believe it is true. And thirdly, I believe it is sufficient. I read a book not long ago, Timothy Paul Jones wrote that, that is how we got the Bible. And I believe he says it best when he writes in his book these words. The sufficiency of Scripture doesn't mean, of course, that the Bible includes every truth we will ever need to complete every task in our life. Scripture doesn't provide us with much information when it comes to installing ceramic tile, conjugating German verbs, for example, and performing brain surgery based on only the information found in the Bible is likely, likely to end badly for everyone. And so, get this. This is what he says. Scripture doesn't reveal all things. Instead, Scripture is sufficient to show us how to do all things. For the glory of God, with the mind of Christ, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there are three things I believe about the Bible today. I believe it is God-inspired, I believe it is true, and I believe it is sufficient. And so now let's take a moment and try to answer the question, is it reliable? There are a multitude of reasons why we can say the Bible is reliable. But for time purposes, this morning I simply want to share with you three reasons why we can answer this question with an emphatic yes. Many of you know that uh, I have a brother who has had uh, extremely serious heart and health issues over, over the past several years. He has been to, to, to multiple, multiple doctors. And this past year, his health deteriorated to the point where the only option for a hopeful improvement was open heart surgery. But he was told by multiple doctors at multiple hospitals uh, that he was not a candidate until he went to Cleveland Clinic. And they told him that he was going to see the best surgeon and the brightest team of doctors that they had to offer. And in November of this past year, he had successful open heart surgery. I share that with you because when we find ourselves in the, 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 the most terrible struggles and the hardest health issues, when we are facing those things, we want to be under the care of the brightest 
and the best people. The Bible was written by some of the brightest individuals, not only of their time, but of all time. Consider Daniel, who was an author in the Old Testament. He was one of the smartest individuals of his time. He was fluent in three languages, and he was so intelligent, he became the second in command, not only to one leader, but he came, became the second in command to two of the greatest leaders the world has ever known, in Cyrus the Great and Darius. Solomon, another author in the Old Testament, was not only known in his time, but is still considered today to be one of the wisest men who ever lived. He was not only a great author, but he was also an architect, he was a military strategist, and he was a diplomat. Take over in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. Paul was fluent in at least four languages and probably more. He had the entire Old Testament memorized, and he wrote 13 books in our New Testament. I have read the Bible multiple times, and it never ceases to amaze me that each time I read a passage, that it speaks to me in a more impactful or a new way. It continues to transform my life. Not only is the Bible the most translated, the most copied, and the most read book in history, but it's the most brilliant book that has ever been authored. A second reason that I believe we can trust the Bible as reliable is because the Bible is socially influential. And it has been throughout history. If you go back and you study history, what you will discover is what, that when people take the Bible as reliable and they try to live out the teachings of Jesus, incredible things happen. In his book, Jesus Skeptic, a journalist ex explores the credibility and impact of Christianity. John S. Dickerson explores how Christianity spawned and perpetrated, or per perpetuated, easy for everybody, uh, Western civilization, including how followers of Jesus created the university and college uh, systems in our, in, our, in our country today. They created literacy through public education, founded modern science, along with many more positive influences in society. He goes on to say this, the primary evidence reveals that the seeds that produce modern hospitals and modern medicine were planted by devout Christians who were motivated by their sincere Christian beliefs. The primary evidence also reveals that many of the best-ranked hospitals today were founded by Christian pastors, ministers, nuns, doctors, and priests as houses of charity. The majority uh, were enabled by Christian donations and the staff by doctors who had trained at Christian universities. Of the three oldest hospitals in the United States today, which each of those remain in the top 20 today, all three were started by Christian organizations for Christian purposes of charity. Gina and I have had, uh, had the opportunity a few years ago uh, 
to tour many of the museums and the historical landmarks in Washington, D.C. And as we walked for miles and we traveled through many museums and went to several different landmarks, the thing that amazed me the most was simply this. How many times I saw Bible verses printed and referred to in those museums and those historical landmarks. And for me, it is evidence that when people take the Bible as reliable and try to live out its teachings, incredible things happen. The third reason I believe we can trust the Bible that it is reliable is because the Bible is trusted by Jesus. Some people say that they, uh, that they are Jesus followers, but they don't believe that the Bible is true, reliable, or they need it to grow closer to Jesus. But Jesus quoted Scripture. Jesus quoted Scripture, I believe, at least, if not over a hundred times in the Gospels. In Matthew alone, in Matthew 4, uh, when Jesus began his ministry, he quoted Scripture from the Old Testament when he quoted Isaiah. In Matthew chapter 9, when Jesus is trying to explain why he came, he quotes Hosea. In Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus is trying to explain that he is going to have to die, be buried, and raise again, he explains it that it is like the prophet Jonah. Jesus quoted Old Testament passage on many occasions. But he also talked about many of the Old Testament people. And he didn't talk about them as, as fantasy, but he talked about them as real people. He talked about Adam and Eve and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Moses and David and Lot, and the list goes on and on. And Jesus also used the Bible in his own life. In Matthew chapter 4 again, when Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days and Satan tempts him multiple times, Jesus quotes Scripture every time to resist Satan's strongest attempts. Dallas Willard, who was an incredibly intelligent man and professor of philosophy, once, one, once wanted to do a study of the Gospels to see if Jesus had any logical fallacies or mistakes in his teaching. After an extensive study, what he discovered was that among all the ancient teachers, Jesus is the only one to have no logical problems in all of his teachings. And that makes Jesus unique. And so I believe there are three simple reasons why we believe that we can trust that the Bible is reliable. Because it's brilliantly written, it's socially influential, and it's trusted by Jesus. While Gina and I were at the beach here recently, I went outside one morning to watch the sunrise. And I was very disappointed because when I looked out to see the sun rise over the ocean water, this is what I saw. But then as I were, was preparing for today, this scene flashed back 
into my mind. Because it reminded me of the importance of the Bible in my life. Because it is the Bible through the storms of life and through the clouds of uncertainty that guides me, that keeps me, and that simply moves me forward on the path of growing closer to Jesus. You want to know about God? You want to know about Jesus? Read his words. Pray to God. I had the courage to go on. This is Judy Deckard, and Tina and I have become uh, good friends with Judy over the past several years. We're actually in the same life group together, where we get to share a lot, and we've shared our stories together. And I've heard, Judy, I've heard a lot of your story. You were baptized uh, here at First Christian at North Miles. Can you tell me how long ago that was? It's been eight years. Okay. So, Judy, my, my second question would simply be this. Over this eight-year journey that you've been uh, striving to grow closer to Jesus, if you were to share one thing that has been the most consistent in your life that has helped guide, keep, and move you along the path of growing closer to Jesus, what is it that you would share? My passion for the Bible. I have a passion that, that I want everyone to read the Bible. Um, if I've, at the time I was baptized, I read it once already, and I was going through a very rough period of my life. And I remember getting down on my knees one night and just praying to God. I realized I can't do this on my own. Can you please help me? The next morning, I felt different. I did not have the problem fixed, but I had the courage to go on and become the person that I am today, which is an entirely different person. And when I first read in the Bible, these words are God-breathed. It gave me chills down my spine. God breathed. You want to know about God? You want to know about Jesus? Read his own words. How closer can you get than that? And it's just saved my life. In those eight years that you've been following Jesus, how many times have you read the Bible from cover to cover? 29 times. That's amazing. I've done this and been on this path over 50 years. I can't say that I've read it from cover to cover 29 times. But I can say that I have your enthusiasm. And I, I, I believe that the Bible is reliable because it has been the most consistent thing in those 50 years to help guide, keep, and move me along this path closer to Jesus. At my mother-in-law's funeral, there were 22 Bibles that were handed out to her family. And those Bibles were filled with highlighted text and handwritten notes in every margin from cover to cover. Many of those Bibles were held together with duct tape because they had been completely worn out. Those Bibles were handed to us because we knew that the greatest thing that she wanted to pass on to us 
was her faith and her trust in God's word that it is reliable to help guide us, keep us, and move us forward on the path of growing closer to Jesus. I can say, I don't own 22 Bibles that have been read from cover to cover. Nor have I read the Bible through 29 times. But I can say that the Bible has been the most consistent, most reliable source in my life that guides, keeps, and moves me forward on this path of growing closer to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Father and God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this incredible day that we have been able to come and worship you, to sing praises to you, that we have been able to pause, to be reminded of the incredible love and the sacrifice that you have made for us. That we have witnessed young folks who are willing to surrender their lives to you and say, I accept your gift of grace and I want to make you the leader of my life. And so God, we praise you for all of that. But God, right now, specifically, I want to come and I want to thank you for inspiring your words to be written down for us. That you have given us your word that it might guide us through this journey. That it might keep us on the path that when we want to stop and turn back, it might nudge us to move forward on the path of growing closer to Jesus. So thank you for your word. We believe you have inspired it. We believe it is true. And we believe it is su sufficient. And so we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. If you would, stand with me. We're gonna sing one more song. And this is a, a time we can worship again, but it's also a time that we provide at the end of each service, that if there is a public decision that you would like to make, that this is the time. If you've never given your life to Christ, you saw a couple, well, that young boy came during the first service, and he said, I wanna follow Jesus. I wanna be baptized. If you've never done that, we offer that opportunity right here, right now. Perhaps you've done that, you've been immersed with Christ. And you want to be a part of a church family. We offer you that opportunity. But today, I believe there's a third thing I want us to consider. Simply like you to ask that the Holy Spirit would ignite in us a passion, a desire to engage in his word, that it might guide us on this path, that it might keep us on this path, 
that it might nudge us forward on this path of growing closer to Jesus. Maybe you need to remain faithful in engaging in the Bible. Maybe you need to re-engage in God's Word. Or perhaps you're here today and you've never read. You've never taken a dive into His Word. We're offering today a simple resource that can help you get started. If you go to your FCC app and you hit this week at F FCC, there'll be something that comes up that says a beginner's guide to reading the Bible. It's a simple, gives you six things that could kind of help you, I believe, get started. I encourage you to take that step. Because my testimony is, in 50 years, the most reliable thing through all the change, through all the seasons, that has guided, that has kept, that motivates me to move forward on this path is God's Word.